Hello everyone, can you hear me okay? So it is Thursday the 16th of July and I'm recording this intro on my day off but I've not really had a day off today because obviously combating racism is a full-time job. So I emailed The Guardian which is a UK news outlet for those who listen overseas. And I basically wanted to address that they showed a group of East Asian people in a, you guessed it, coronavirus-related article. Um, And I received a response from the assistant reader's editor, which you can see on my Instagram. By the way, I've changed my Instagram handle to it's Viv Yao. Viv the Div is dead. She's gone. And it's now it's Viv Yao. So... You can have a look at the full reply from this journalist where he basically said simply publishing a photo of people from a particular background is not discriminatory. So I have decided to create a petition and this petition speaks to the BBC, The Guardian, our UK government to stop depicting East Asians in coronavirus related media and why this is damaging, why this is so damaging, because I feel like it's all compounding at the moment. It's death by a thousand cuts, essentially, isn't it? Where we are seeing this everywhere and it's perpetuating the same idea, the racist idea that all East Asians are responsible or are virus carriers or are part of coronavirus in some way when we did not want this. We didn't want this either. If you want to sign the petition, please head to the show notes where you can find out more or head to my Instagram, it's Viv Yao, and you can click on the link and it will take you to the petition on change.org. So anyway, this episode, I recorded this a couple of weeks back. I think it was the 6th of July. And it's me just talking about dating. So if anything, I hope it's a respite from just things that are going on in the world at the moment. I had a massive stress headache earlier because I was just like, this is so annoying. This guy's response, honestly. You can also check out more of the stories that I post. If you click on the highlights of my Instagram and it's called no to racism, you can check out my responses, what he said back, what I'm going to say back, and basically just keep up with the conversation that's unraveling in front of us. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to read out some comments from people that I've received um, recently. So I will do that now. By the way, if you can hear any pots and pans banging around, I'm just in the living room recording this and my mum's in the kitchen next door and she's watching some kind of Chinese TV drama while she's cooking away. So if that's a distraction, I'm very sorry. Um, But my mum's just in the background in the kitchen where she belongs joking joking obviously joking right so first comment from lily just started listening to your podcast it's amazing thank you very much keep up the brilliant work i shall try i've taken a day off work today as it's my 42nd birthday today ah (laughs) that's funny happy birthday sign up fire lot and i came across your podcast whilst chilling with a cup of tea hearing you speak about being a bbc i'm a bb mauritian c myself is such a find bbc's have never really had their voices heard and so a massive thank you for the work that you're doing i hope your channel continues to grow as there are lots of us who will value sharing the experiences that is so kind thank you so much lily and i hope you had an amazing birthday as well i think i actually responded back to you on the insta 
And then I have a message from Geraldine. Hi, Geraldine. Hey, Viv. I've just caught up on all your podcast episodes. I can't believe you caught up on all of them. That's amazing. I don't even think my family have listened to all of them. And I'm loving everything on them so much. As a Hackguy BBC, it's been so good to finally be able to relate to all of your stories and experiences. For me growing up, I've always been very proud to be Chinese, but I've always been the only Chinese person in my social groups. And I've always wanted to get to know other Chinese people that aren't my family. Looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, I'm the same. So I'm actually going to talk about friendships in an, an upcoming episode. And any positive and negative experiences surrounding being Asian and having friends um, I think it's going to be quite an interesting episode and also just talking about friendships in general and creating boundaries for yourself the different types of friendships that you have with people so it's probably more of a wider friendship discussion please if you want to get in touch my Instagram is now it's Viv Yao and the reason for this change is because I am nearly 30 years old Firstly, this nickname that I had, Viv the Div, has been a nickname from high school. It's a 15-year-old nickname, and I felt like nearly 15 years on, it's time for me to change it. And I think it also reiterates and perpetuates an insecurity of mine that I'm stupid, and I almost played up to the Div narrative. But I don't think I need that anymore. I think I can be silly and jokey without calling myself a div <laughs> and the most important reason is that someone messaged me recently saying that the term div could be potentially offensive towards people with learning difficulties and I had never considered this before and the last thing I would want is for my username to be potentially offensive towards anyone and so the reasons weren't good enough for me to keep it now it's just it's Viviao and I feel like it very much reflects me um, I did go through a few iterations of usernames and I wanted to one of the options were I am Viv Yao and then my friend was like don't you think that sounds a bit like Beyonce like I am Sasha Fierce and I was like oh my god it does I don't want to try to obviously <laughs> liken myself to Beyonce in any way shape or form so it's simply it's Viv Yao that's it um, that's all there is to it really so I hope you enjoy today's episode. Before we get into the podcast actually, we're going to do a How Asian Are You segment. How Asian are you? So these questions are from Elsa Lee and they are so funny and I can't believe I hadn't thought of most of these. So question number one, do you carry pocket tissues with you when you are out? You should see the amount of pocket tissues that I have in my handbag. Like I have like half open ones, ones that have been in my handbag for years and years. And my mum, she's very sweet. She usually leaves them just on my table for me to pop in my handbag. And I accumulated a pile of them just from her leaving them in my room, which is very cute. So I would say one point to me. Ding. Question number two. When you see when you see black coloured food, e.g. ice cream, do you think it's sesame or activated charcoal? Sesame. Activated charcoal. Like, I don't even get why that's a food trend. That's so weird. So, yeah, definitely sesame. So I'm assuming the sesame is probably where the Asian-ness comes into things because Asian people like to have lots of kind of sesame-based desserts. So, tick. Question number three. 
Do you order a set number of small dishes like dim sum to avoid unlucky numbers? I don't actually. I just order as much as I want. I never really think about the actual number. So I'm I'm assuming four is probably an unlucky number of dishes because that means death. Like say means death. It kind of sounds like say, which is death, but say is the number. Um, so does this mean that we have to we have to order eight of everything? Fat, fat is lucky. It means for those who don't know, the number eight is very lucky because it rhymes with fat, which is like prosperous. I think it means. Question number four: Do you drink tap water in the UK? Yeah, yeah, I do actually. But that's not a very Asian thing to do because you usually boil it, don't you? So, but well, I tend, I tend not to have tap water if I can avoid it. I tend to boil it, and my mum tends to boil it, and she puts it into a jug, and then I drink that water from the jug if I just want cool water. But I think because I live in the north, tap water tastes okay. When I lived in London, the tap water just tastes terrible. Question number five. Did slash do you drink boiled Coca-Cola with ginger slash lemon as a remedy for the common cold? No, but that sounds delicious. I'm going to try that. Hmm, interesting. I didn't know that was a thing, to be honest. I'm going to ask my mum about that later. She has made like Coca-Cola chicken wings before. Is that meant to be a remedy for the common cold or is that just delicious? Question number six. Do you fold your crisp packets into triangles? Is that a an Asian thing? I guess it's like origami, isn't it? I do do that, but I'm not very good at it. My sister is. She can fold things into stars and all sorts, but I I can do the triangle thing. But I didn't know that was an Asian thing. If so, get another point for that. So I think I just get five, four out of six, no, five out of six. I'm not really kept count of my own points here. Anyway, what did you get? Thanks, Elsa Lee, for submitting those questions for this week. I was doing a bit of shower thinking. And in the shower is where I do my best thinking. I started to think about dating and what it means for me to be dating now in this world as we are in 2020. I wanted to do a second episode about dating. If you haven't listened to the first one, it's on the podcast list somewhere. I can't remember which episode, but you'll find it. It's called called Dating Something. It's got the word dating in any way. And I wanted to talk about it again because there is just so much to unpack when it comes to dating. It can't just be one episode. Plus, I love talking about it. I listen to quite a few dating podcasts. Let me actually get up my podcast list. So, for example, on my favourites list, I have Why Won't You Date Me by Nicole Byers, I think her name is, Nicole Byers. Is it Nicole Byers or Nicole? Nicole Byer, sorry, Nicole Byer. And she is a comedian based in America and she talks about her being single and she's so funny. She's so funny. I can really relate to her as well just because she's like similar age to me. She has trouble dating, as do I. So I really love her podcast. I also like Millennial Love. It's actually a podcast by The Independent 
and they have guests on there. They talk about dating during lockdown. They talk about different types of dating. They bring in different guests. It's very good. And then I also listened to The Girls' Bathroom by two influencers, Sophia Chinsia, Sophia and what are they called? Oh, I should have just written this down. Sophia Tuxford and Chinsia Bayless Sulo. They are two influencers who I actually met them last year with work and very nice girls. Very, very nice. They do one called Boy Talk, one called Girl Talk, and they swap those episodes bi-weekly and they give advice on relationships and dating and whatnot. And there is another one, Modern Love. I've listened to that a few times. That's by the New York Times, actually. So I just really enjoy listening to dating podcasts because I guess it's quite relevant, isn't it? Everyone loves a juicy dating story. I firstly realised that I hadn't addressed all the people who had messaged me to support me on the toxic relationship episode I published a few, a couple of months ago now. I can't quite remember where. What really humbled and saddened me was seeing the amount of women that messaged saying that they've been in a similar position before and could relate to my story. I'm really lucky that I have a support network around me. I've got incredible family and friends, but that episode did some permanent damage to some existing friendships who disagreed with me on talking about that relationship on the podcast. And as a result of that, we don't speak anymore. I wanted to address this because it's just been playing on my mind. It's happened a few months ago now, a couple of months ago, and I've had time to process and just think about exactly what I think about what happened in terms of that conversation. And I'm glad it happened. I'm glad I released the podcast episode. And I'm also glad that those people got in touch. It was really triggering. It was extremely emotional and sent my head into a spin. But it highlighted to me exactly what is wrong with our society in being able to speak up about being in emotionally abusive relationships. So I don't regret it at all. I'm actually really proud of speaking up. And it's also a reminder to me that people will try to shame you or guilt trip you in speaking your truth, whether it's on a public forum or in private. And I don't think that's cool. If for whatever reason, these people who did that are listening, who got in touch with me to say that they disagreed, BTW, this is not an invitation to open up that dialogue again. I very much closed down that conversation we had and I would very much like to be excluded from that narrative. Taylor Swift reference. And that's all I have to say on that. So dating for me. So what do I look for now? What do I look for in terms of dating? If someone had asked me, what's my type? Even just a couple of years ago, my answer might have been funny, kind, clever, good job, close to family, you know, all those check boxes that you need ticking off. And whilst that still is my baseline and I look for those things, I think this question is too simple. And my answers have been too simple in the past because A lot of people can be funny, kind, clever, have a good job and be close to their family. But there's lots of other things I've considered important to me, especially in the past year, that I also want a partner to take interest in. So 
the first one, which is quite obvious, just due to my past experiences of being in an emotionally abusive relationship, the first thing I ask myself is, are they going to be emotionally abusive? Are they toxic in any way? Do they display any misogynistic traits? So before that toxic relationship I was in, this wasn't even an area that crossed my mind. Dating has changed for me in the past year because I do have my red flag radar up and I'm very, very quick to shut down conversations because of it. So recently I was speaking to someone on Hinge and then we started chatting on Instagram and That day, I posted some Instagram story about me cutting my own hair, which by the way, my hairdresser has said I didn't do too much of a bad job. She said it was slanted, (laughs) but actually it wasn't too bad. Even my fringe, which was terrible at the time. So I posted an Instagram story of me cutting my own fringe. The guy messaged me to say, what did he say? He said, why did you cut your hair? It was fine as it was. Then I was just like, oh, it just needed trimming. It had loads of split ends. And then he proceeded to go on my Instagram profile and find a picture of me where I had curly hair. It was when I did a trick with my hair that I saw from TikTok. Where you, I still do it actually. You put your hair in a dressing gown robe and you wrap it around your hair and then you twist it up and you just leave it overnight and you sleep in it. So that creates some really nice, natural, heatless curls. So anyway, he sent me that photo of me to my Instagram DM. And then he said, I like it when you wear your hair like this or something like that. Then I just started feeling really weird about it. It made me feel so uncomfortable. Not because he, I don't know, because he sent me a picture of my hair and had a preference over any part of my body, whether it was my hair or whatever it was. I didn't like the fact that he had a preference already and didn't even know me. He had a preference over me having curly hair rather than having straight hair. And it really triggered me, I have to say. I know that sounds really trivial and quite like no no big deal. But think I think due to my past experiences, I just felt like I didn't like him having any say or autonomy over any part of my body, any part of my body whatsoever. And it might have been a harmless comment. And I actually brought it up with him because he noticed that I pulled back in conversation and he apologized straight away. And he's really sorry. He didn't mean to make me feel that way and that he's going to give me some space. And he has got in touch since I messaged him happy birthday because it was his birthday that day. Then I haven't been in conversation with him since because I don't know. That's my boundary. That's my boundary. And I just felt like it was cross. I don't like any guy having any say or preference over a woman's body, even if it is as trivial as having straight hair or curly hair, whatever. And then there was another situation where I went on a first date with someone and it went well, like we fancied each other. But I noticed that when he brought up his ex, who, by the way, he had a daughter with, he called her a psycho. And then he started saying things like, oh, she keeps pestering me for money and she keeps thinking that I'm not going to pay her. You're just like going into detail about the problems that they had. And the word psycho, again, very triggering after coming out of an emotionally abusive relationship. And that's not to say some people can be psychos, but I think it speaks volumes when a guy refers to their ex in that way. You know, like I've spoken to some guys who have very, very healthy relationships with their exes, even if shit went down, 
but it speaks volumes when a guy can just say, oh, she's still really nice. You know, we still keep in touch every so often and there's no bad feelings at all. She's still a really nice person, even though, I don't know, this woman might have like cheated on him and then, don't know, just never spoke to him again or whatever. And then I never saw him again because he got really weird over text. And then when I brought that up with him, he said he was called, he called me sensitive. Again, another trigger word. Just FYI to anyone who might be listening who potentially wants to date me. I have a lot of triggers. <laughs> and lastly, just another example that I've got for you. Um, I dated a guy in the last year. I won't say when it was because it probably would just give it away. But he very much overstepped my own boundaries when he had so many issues and I wasn't his girlfriend. We weren't even, we dated for six weeks. And even then I only saw him a few times. I'd say four or five times. Actually, not even that. So it must've been two months we were dating for. And we saw each other about four times, I think. Cause I went away with work and then like, we just, not with work. I just went away on holiday and then we just didn't see each other. Anyway, he would ring me and just proceed to tell me everything that is wrong with the world, everything that is wrong with his life, everything that's wrong with his job. Um, and hadn't even considered how I was feeling at all. And so I brought that up with him and proceeded to end things with him too, <laughs> because he overstepped my boundary. There was one particular week or day where I was just, just like in a bad mood. I'd come home from work after a really long day at work, hadn't eaten yet, had a headache. Um, but this guy, he all the way home didn't on the phone call, he didn't even mention or ask once, how are you? How's your day been? Until I pulled up in my driveway about 40 minutes later. Yeah, that was um, another experience where I shut down very quickly, shut down extremely quickly. So it's something that in terms of these red flags, I don't want to go into dating scenarios considering this, but ultimately these are lessons that I've learned from my previous relationship. And I think they're also there to protect me I'm just way more aware of looking out for behaviour that could be deemed inappropriate or overstep my boundaries in any way. But it does also make the opportunity for me to date slightly less open, but I would rather weed out anyone who's signalling any narcissistic, toxic traits way before it gets to the dating stage or anything more serious than that. And it has changed the landscape for me completely. But I think it reinforces exactly what I don't want and what I do want out of a relationship. And I'm very adamant about the fact that I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle. Call it picky. But yes, we deserve to be picky. Why don't I deserve to have exactly what I want? Why should I feel the need to settle down? I hate that term as well, settling down, because it sounds like you are settling for whoever just because of my age or because I'm a woman and... If you're single, it means you're going to be a crazy cat lady who can't hold a man down. By the way, don't like cats. Sorry, I'm allergic. Another topic that I think is really important for me, especially now, and also something that has, as I've gotten older, become increasingly important is, do they support causes in terms of racial equality? 
That's just one, for example. Do they even understand it? Are they actively trying to do better with an open mind? So I know that everyone's journey is different. And me as a Chinese person, of course, I'm going to have more of a vested interest in this topic because it's affected me personally. But I think if I was to date someone, especially a white person, they would need to be so woke and be so open to learning about being anti-racist, how to be an ally, how to stick up for people and use their white privilege to help them. They would need to have that. And I think that now for me is a massive deal breaker if they can't even have that conversation in the first place. So there's one guy that I dated, white guy. I mentioned the term white privilege. We were talking about race and Whilst he didn't get aggressive about it at all, he was definitely defensive and at the end of the conversation basically admitted that I was difficult and opinionated. And that just makes things really difficult for me. Like, I don't want to stick around for you to figure out what is wrong with systemic racism. Like, I'm not here to educate you and I'm not patient enough to wait around for you to get to that stage, unfortunately. And I know, I know that every single person has their own journey when it comes to dating, but I'd rather wait for someone who is ready to go rather than having to guide them on something that I'm still trying to figure out myself. Like, I think people think that people of colour know everything there is about race. Like, yes, we can talk about our lived experiences and stories, but there is so much that I still don't know myself. So to have someone who is interested and wants to support, who will actively encourage both of us to learn more, I think that is something now that has bumped its way up the list. And the second thing, or is this a third thing? I've lost count, but another issue... (laughs) Another prerequisite that I have is just whether they are going to have an issue with me calling myself a feminist. Because this word is so tricky anyway. It has lots of negative connotations. It conjures up images of me being anti-men or of women being anti-men just by using this term. And I've had mixed responses from this and I've talked about this before, but I think my baseline is that you'd need to at least be open to the ideology of feminism, which I think makes it even trickier to navigate in this current climate. It's like, are they actually going to understand what it means, first of all, and secondly, see the issues that we have in our society when it comes to being a woman in many, many different facets and also want to talk about it and want to talk about it openly and, I don't know, probably one step too far, but would they identify as feminist? Is that one step too far? Should it be one step too far? Like, when I've spoken about this with certain people, they are, some of them are like, oh, do you just mean be nice to people? I'm like, it's way more than just being nice to people. <laughs> um, like, we want it just to be fair, like fair to both men and women and marginalised people and everyone. Inclusive of everyone. That's all we want. I just want inclusivity of everyone. Everyone. And then this one, okay, aside from the social issues that we have in the world, I've got to fancy them. This is a pretty big deal. And as I've gotten older, I've realised that 
I need that. I need. I can't just start a relationship with people who are friends. Like I've had friends who have developed relationships from their friendships, and I'm quite envious of those who can do that because essentially, I'd love to find like a best friend that I could actually date. But in my head, I have this like really annoying two second rule. Actually, it's not a rule. It's more just like an instinct where as soon as I meet that person on the first date, I can just tell whether I'm going to fancy them. And I don't, it's not even about looks. It's not even about physical looks. It's just about when you look at them in the eye and you just know there's going to be chemistry there in some way. It's like this really weird, intangible thing that you just can't put, you can't place any kind of physical limits on it. It's so odd because all the guys I've dated, they look so different. They look so different. But, you know, clearly that hasn't worked out for me in the past in terms of that instant connection. Um, because otherwise I would be happily in a relationship. But yeah, that's the deal breaker for me as well. You know, I can't, I'm not one of those ones where I can go into something hoping that it will grow. It either needs to be there or it's not there. So you might think that this is very backwards of me to think this and this is not very feminist, but actually the fact that I want this is my own choice and that is feminist in itself. But they got to be okay with doing the cooking and cleaning <laughs> because I'm not okay doing that as the sole person. I'll do it. Like I can cook, I can clean, but I choose not to if I could choose not to. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just not my style. I am just not comfortable being in the kitchen every single night of my life. That's just not me. And I know that I'm going to have to do that when I live by myself. And that's fine. Cooking for one is fine. But when you bring in someone who has different dietary requirements, and I've been in so many relationships where we're like, what do you want to eat tonight? And they're just like, I don't know, what do you want to eat? And it's a back and forth. And actually, I do love talking about what you're going to have for dinner. That's one of my favourite pastime topics. But in terms of doing that day in, day out for the rest of my life, it just fills me with dread. I just, I don't know. In past relationships, I've lived with two guys and I predominantly did the cooking. And in one relationship, we had a cleaner. In this, in the first relationship, my ex-boyfriend actually did most of the cleaning. He was great at cleaning, to be fair. Um, and he would just do it and not think anything of it. And I really appreciated that. Because we, we worked weird hours as well. I worked office hours and he worked like night hours. So he'd be in the house in the daytime. So he just had more like disposable time to clean. So that's essentially my list. Oh, actually got another one. They've got to be close to their family. I know some of us aren't fortunate to have healthy relationships with their families. And there's definitely legitimate reasons for that. And I've seen people who don't speak to their families, who have taken, who've been taken in by their other halves family. So I've definitely seen people who have been adopted in and really love the family dynamics. But ideally, I do want someone who understands how important family are to me. So they won't find it weird that at the drop of a hat, we'll arrange a spontaneous Sunday dim sum session or that we just drop into each other's houses unannounced. I think that's quite important to me, uh, being close with the family or at least having some kind of long, long-standing relationships or friendships with people. I think that speaks volumes too. Uh, I know that I dated someone in the past who had very fleeting friendships and very fleeting relationships and that played out into 
it, it was kind of a pattern and a trend, essentially. Or even someone who hadn't held down any relationships, that was, to me, a bit of a red flag. At the age of 31, you've never had a single long-term relationship. I think, for me, that's just a bit like, but why? Why haven't you? And then lastly, they've got to be independent. So I was quite codependent in my first two relationships, but as I've gotten older and I'm now just busy doing my own thing and really enjoying my own company, I can't have neediness. It's so unattractive, even with friends. Like my close friends know that me and my sisters, especially, we are so okay with not being called upon. I know that sounds really weird, but we are so okay with not having to catch up with our friends all the time. So I do really appreciate it when friends make the effort to see me because sometimes I just forget to do that naturally. I just forget to schedule in time with friends, even though I know it's important to them. And my sister, she works in the psychology field and she, we actually, she actually analysed me the other day and did some kind of like CBT therapy thing on me because we were talking, we were saying, why, why are we so weird? Like, why do we hate neediness? And she drew out this little chart thing. She asked me loads of questions like, how does it make you feel when someone checks in and asks you how you are or asks whether they, you want to meet up and stuff? And I said, I feel instant annoyance and like, I just want to be left alone. And then I was like, that's so bad. Why is that my first reaction rather than being like, oh my God, I've heard from this person. I can't wait to see them. And we basically traced it back to our upbringing in the sense that our parents, they are amazing, by the way, my parents. But in terms of their parenting style, if we asked for attention or affection, they would be so busy with work or, you know, and or they would give us attention in different ways, like cooking us food or working, like having to work in the family takeaway or just looking after the household. And that was their way of obviously showing that they cared for us. But in terms of checking in and being like, how are you kids? Are you okay? That didn't happen as much so. And so that's developed our kind of attachment style to them. And so perhaps my parents felt like, nagged if we were no did we therefore or just felt annoyed that we were like asking for affection because they probably didn't have that growing up and that kind of filtered down to how they parented see I don't I don't know anything about psychology by the way so I'm paraphrasing a lot of what my sister said but essentially it comes from how we were raised as kids and the fact that we are very much resilient to get on with our own lives and we don't need people to check in it's really odd but We really don't. I do appreciate it though. I really honestly do because I don't think I would have many friends if my close friends didn't check up on me to be like, are you okay? Do you want to meet up soon? How are you? I just don't feel like I need that, but I'm really grateful that my friends are like that because I wouldn't have many friends otherwise. So in essence, in summary, I find it difficult to date given my past experiences as well as social values, and the fact that I am devoidant of any form of affection. (laughs) But it's definitely, I think I'm just navigating through this dating world and I'm figuring it out. And this answer in terms of how I, what I want to find in person, it changes and evolves daily because truly, I don't know. Truly, I don't know. There's no succinct answer to be like, I want specifically this type of person, but I am trusting the universe that it's going to happen. 
at the time when it's meant to happen. I've not freaked out about it just yet. I am turning 30 next year and perhaps I might have a slight breakdown then when I notice that everyone around me are in close relationships and, you know, they're on the path to having a family and everything. And I'm still going to be on the dating apps swiping away and having meaningless conversations with people about lockdown or what you did this weekend or what's your type and all this kind of, what's your Myers-Briggs personality type? By the way, my Myers-Briggs personality type, someone actually, a listener, messaged me, Tanisha, hiya. She's Australian. She's amazing. She started her own podcast, actually. It's called A Side of Rice. And you can find them on Instagram. It's a side of rice podcast. And it's her and her friend, Shani Fenn and Tanisha Wong on Instagram. And Tanisha has the best makeup I have ever seen, ever, and the best fashion sense. So we've been voice messaging on Instagram and she is so lovely. So she asked me about my MySpriggs personality type and I am ESFP. I'm the entertainer, which kind of makes sense. I like to make people laugh. I enjoy entertaining people essentially, but equally I'm very sensitive and observant in social situations. So I wouldn't just carry on regardless, like cracking jokes if someone had died or is crying in the corner or something. So whilst I'm very good at reading social situations, which makes sense given my job, I'm in marketing, I've got to entertain clients, etc. I am very sensitive, very sensitive to criticism and I don't think that's a bad thing, or so my therapist tells me anyway. It's definitely made me an empath. I'm very, very, I feel a lot of people's emotions. Yeah, I think I'm just an emotional person in that sense. Anyway, definitely gone off on a tangent. What's your Myers-Briggs personality type? Just search it on Google and it'll come up with this um, link called the 16 personalities test. And let me know what you are because I find them fascinating. I also started a Facebook group. So for anyone who's listening right to the very end of the podcast, you'll know that I have started a Facebook group that I've not promoted anywhere. I've not promoted on social. All I've done is send it to a few listeners who I thought might be interested. But if you search on Facebook, but where are you from in the groups thing, I think it should come up unless I've made it a closed group. I can't quite remember, but just DM me if you can't find it and please join. So the group is made up of Asian people all over the world, actually. We've got people from Australia, we've got people from Spain and it's honestly such a cute little group. There's only about 50 of us in there at the moment and it's very cute and it's just a nice place for us to continue the conversation from this podcast. So anyway, thank you for listening. And I hope you're doing well. And I'll see you on the next podcast episode. Goodbye.